0: I mean, whether you're online or in person, oh, to be a part of what God is doing, to experience his presence, to know that, that we serve a God that is constantly bringing and giving life. You know, that's as we get into what does it mean to be the church. That's what we're talking about is, is how and what does this look like and, and what does it mean. And as we have dove into that over the last week or so, There's been some things that God has done, and you need to know, you're a part of a church that I believe has incredible leadership, not because the church leadership believes it's great, but because we're humble enough to say our God is great, and in our weakness, together, we're going to see God move. Behind me is our board chair, Eric Smith, and a few days back, literally on Wednesday, God began to move in, in his life and in my life in a way that basically we realized God had a completely different plan for this morning with what we were to share and how we were to share it. So buckle up. <laughs> you are here for a reason, whether you're online or in person. I believe that this is a divine appointment. That this is a divine appointment that God has orchestrated because he's inviting us further into what does it mean to be his church, which means we got to be real. We got to be real. We got to remove the church face and and get into it in a way that leads to the breakthrough and the blessing and the victory we know our God is capable of. But I'm so thankful that we don't go that road alone. And uh, Eric, I am so thankful for you as our board chair. And uh, as we get into this, beyond your role, it's really the brotherhood, it's Mm -hmm. the, the friendship. And uh, so as we dive into this, uh, we're, we're going to really kind of, I mean, f- hopefully you feel like you're being invited into the living room today, <laughs> right? So, so if you're a visitor, whew, what a great Sunday to be here, because you're like, you ever showed up at someone's house and you wanted to know what was really going on? Today's your day. <laughs> Today's your day. So you <laughs> with that. Buckle up.
1: Buckle up. Yeah. Hey, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you and uh, feel the energy. Love it. Uh, if we go ahead and pop up there on the screen, uh, we heard if you were here last week or saw online, uh, you heard from uh, Pastor Brian and Pastor Molly. Just all the uh, amazing things that have uh, taken place over the past year, uh, just the multiple uh, ways that God has been at work. And uh, as you just go go through those elements, there, it's, it's just amazing uh, to see His hand um, over it all and through it all, and also what He's going to uh, continue to do. Um, and so, if you missed uh, last last week, or you want to look at that uh, uh, further, uh, feel free. Uh, You can get hard copies uh, out there at the uh, welcome desk. The same token, you can go online there as well. And um, so somebody told me about a week ago. They said, "Aren't you? Aren't you getting up to like? Don't you have to get up and you know talk about the annual report or something like that?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm on the counter for that or scheduled for that." And they said, "You know, when you get up there, you always talk about boring stuff. You know, you, you talk about like numbers and you talk about bylaws and you you, you know it's all kind of boring stuff." And I said, okay, you know, I kind of chuckled, and they were kind of chuckling as well. I said, I hear you. Well, today we're not going to do boring, okay? We're going to take it a little step further, as, as Brian said, because um, in the midst of all of this, this good stuff, Taking place. There's so much more going on beneath the surface, and that's what we want to go ahead and dive into uh, today. Uh, Pastor Brian, uh, last week you laid out a uh, vision uh, for Pathway Church and, and really where God is leading you. Um, talk to us a little bit more about that and, and the process that you went through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let, me, let me stand for this part because I, I, I'm wearing a t shirt today. I've got the merch. Uh, <laughs> and you can get it too, uh, actually this idea of be the church. Uh, this has been resonating with me uh, for years, really, but really here, uh, it, it's felt like that's what God is revealing and saying, is, is we're to be His church, and, and the world needs Jesus' church right now. The world needs us to be who we were created to be. It's a very dark place, and the light of the world is Jesus, but the vehicle He's chosen is His church. And so as we are his church, there's these three aspects of that, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. Today we're going to be looking specifically at restoring, and what does it mean to embrace that process? Let me read to you Ephesians 2.10, uh, and uh, by the way, if you're here on site and want, we, we have these for sale in the cafe, there you go, there's my plug, I didn't forget team, <laughs> and uh, if you're not here in person, you can get yours too, uh, I think there's an online link. So, in Ephesians 2.10, it says this. For we are his workmanship. There's other translations that use the word masterpiece there. The, the Greek word is actually poma. It's, it's where we get uh, kind of the concept of art, uh, this artistry, this creative God who says, as you come into relationship with me, you're a piece of art. You may not feel like a piece of art. You may not feel like you're a masterpiece, but in Christ... He is making us in as his workmanship into a work of art. It goes on to say, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And over the last year and a half, really, since I accepted this role as the lead pastor here, this calling, you know, you're asking, how, what's the process look like? In the first year uh, there was this sense that God was saying, uh, you are not to, to cast vision. You're actually to, to work on the DNA, you know, the mission, the values, loving God, loving all people, connecting, growing, serving, shoring up the foundation. And so for the first year, there was really nothing there, nothing clicking. And, and I'm a visionary leader by God's grace, so that, that was a very different period of time for me. Last fall, around August or September, as I started to near that year mark, I began to sense a release from God to, to listen to Him and, and to take what I had heard in our community and in the church and begin shaping and, and putting together the vision that you're hearing about now to be the church, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. And as I did that, I brought it to some people very early on because I believe vision is God's, not ours. Anybody? Anybody? That it's God's revealed will, not, not my agenda, not my plan. And so if, if that's true, then we're going to discern that in community together. And people in the body of Christ that are in leadership are going to speak into that. And, and they're going to help inform it and they're going to help shape it. And so I actually came to Eric and to our executive administrator, Jeremy Latshaw, and to my wife, Cindy. Come on, girl. Where's she at? <laughs> and and I, I started there to say, here's what I think God's saying. And then after that, I came to our church board. This was probably late September, early October last year. Then I came to our church staff. And, and then we, we put pieces of this vision in the 21-day time of prayer and fasting, <laughs> If you went through our 21-day devotional, there were pieces of this vision that we were beginning to pray over because we knew if we go to God together, God's going to speak into it. So all of this is that last part of verse 10. This really feels like a vision that we're walking into together that God prepared beforehand. And that should bring some relief and hopefully some joy to know God's orchestrating this and God's got it.
1: Amen? All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's that's such a, a critical piece when you take a look at that, and you, you take a look at the collaborative nature uh, that Pastor Brian went through. Um, it's not like he, you know, had some extra spicy, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mexican food one night on a Saturday night, and all of a sudden woke up the next morning, and boom, you know, th- there, there's a vision. This is something that God, uh, the groundwork that God had been laying in, in his heart and in the hearts of, of others here at Pathway for some time. And so the first aspect of that vision that we really want to delve into and take a look at more is the first part of it, and it deals with restoration. Uh, we as leadership here know that if we are to be a restoring people, if, if we're to be a church that is able to go out and, and play a restoring role in, in the lives of those here in the body, and the lives of those in the community, it starts first and foremost at home in our own hearts. It starts first and foremost at home, literally, in our own households. I'm reminded of, of Elijah. If, if, you, if you just uh, put up the slide for a moment there, that when you look at the life of Elijah, it could very well say or be said that he went on one heck of a roller coaster ride. Let, 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 let me just give you the backstory on Elijah in, in chapter 18. Where, where we find Elijah is this, is that he's experiencing some amazing victories through God's power. Elijah finds himself in the northern kingdom of Israel. He finds himself amongst a people that that has completely abandoned and left God. He finds himself amongst a king that has left and abandoned God. They've fallen to idolatry. They've fallen into the path of, hey, we're going to do this on our own. We're going to do whatever makes us feel the best. And that's the path of truth that we're going to follow. And we know that doesn't work out too well. And so God is using Elijah to call his people back. And, and through this, what, what we find is this. We, we, we find Elijah literally putting the God versus the false gods to a test. And so he, he gathers up and he says, hey, you guys get all of your false prophets, all you guys who are worshiping all these other gods, what I want you to do is uh, I want you guys to, to meet me in such and such a place at such and such a time, and we're going to see who the one true God is. And so he says, hey, go ahead, you know, t- t- take a bowl, slice it and dice it, put it on your own altar, and then what I want you to do is I, w- I want you to pray to your s- supposed gods, and, and I-, I want you to see those gods just bring down fire and just consume that bowl. And so they said, hey, game on, we'll do it. So they start slicing and dicing, and they get the altar built, they put the wood on it, and then they start doing their song and dance. Nothing happens. And Elijah kind of mocks them a little bit. He says, well, you know, maybe your gods are busy. You know, maybe they're out, you know, playing Parcheesi. I don't know, what's going on? Maybe you need to, you know, cry out loud a little, a little longer, you know, a little louder. And so they get, you know, louder and whatnot. It comes to midday, still nothing. Nothing's happening. And at this point, Elijah knows it's time for God to show up and show out. And so Elijah, he gets to his own slice and dicing, puts the bowl on his own altar, surrounds it. And to up to Annie, what does he do? We know that he says, hey, go get some, go get some buckets of water. Th- throw it on the altar. Not once, not twice, but three times i don't want anybody to mistake about what's ready to happen here that this is going to come from god and so in that moment elijah elijah prays he, he looks upward and says god do your thing and what does god do he rains down fire from heaven and just doesn't consume the bowl but it consumes the entire altar and all of a sudden the people are just shook in that moment and, and they and they fall on the ground and they're like whoa and so God showed up and God showed out. Elijah then, he, he goes and he rounds up all the false prophets, puts them to death by the sword, and next thing you know, Elijah says, hey, we're not done here. We realize at that point in time, they've been going through a serious drought, famine had struck the land, no rain for three years, and once more, God shows up and shows out. And Elijah gets on his knees and says, God, Come and the heavens break open, and the rain comes. Amazing victories are taking place through God's hand. God's using Elijah. And just as as we saw last week, just as we pointed out to this morning, you know, amazing victories are taking place here in the life of Pathway, here in the life of of, of the people of Pathway, in, in your households, but far too often, what we fail to, to, to recognize and what we fail to shine a light on is that there's so much opposition that can also be taking place at the same time victories are taking place. And this is the, the point that we're going to spend some time with today. Pastor Brian, you must have been absolutely pumped after last week's sermon i know how much time he put into that i know it was over a year in the making of of just his heart wanting to to pour out to the church family and saying hey this is where i believe god is calling us so you must have gone home i mean tell us you must have gone home absolutely on fire after laying that out last weekend right uh, no. <laughs> I, I did. I, I actually felt like I
0: fell off a cliff on the roller coaster. Um, uh, it, it, I mean, yes, there was a fire burning in me, and there was uh, such a desire to share and, and, and to bring that out and to see what God would do. But there was also, often when you're on the mountain, you know, there's this reality that you're going to come down. And when we have victories with God, there's also the backside of those victories. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what we want to help you and our church as a whole with today. When we talk about restoring, it's embracing this process that sometimes will look like this. But from Genesis to Revelation, God is faithful and good through every season. He is faithful and good. So no, last week... Um, Truthfully, you ready, you, you ready for some uh, truth confessions of a pastor? Get out your notebook. <laughs> uh, there was, I, I believe, such a sense of uh, spiritual warfare uh, around this vision last week that I didn't even want to come out to close first service. Between services, I needed time alone in the presence of God. I turned on worship in my office, and I just allowed God to minister to me to fill me back up. And the fire was there again in second service, sharing it. But after service, I'm telling you, it was like such a vacuum, such a sense of isolation, such a sense of, and it wasn't any, to be clear, it wasn't anything that anyone said to me but you ever been in that place where you just don't know why you feel the way you do? And you, you know, like, and, and you're tempted to try to solve it on your own? So as I left here, I, I didn't even want to, to see my family. I didn't want to see friends. I just was literally, kind of like a, you'll see in a minute, like Elijah was, wanting to hide somewhere, wanting to lick my wounds, we're getting real today my guess is that you've had those moments too that maybe even for you last Sunday you heard the this vision and what God is doing and where he's moving and you got maybe overwhelmed or discouraged feeling like maybe I'm not invited to be a part of that and here's the thing this is the process we want to embrace God will be with us in the years ahead through the ups and downs he is faithful he is good and just as he has done it for me in the last week or two, mm. you'll see he did it for Elijah, and he can do it for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. And as, as a church family, what we have to recognize is this, is that there's this mirroring that's taking place. Just as we're going through and we're talking about vision, vision for Pathway Church, do you not recognize and realize that God has a vision for your life? That God has... has A vision for each and every one of you individually and also for the life of your household and so just as just as we're talking about the the things that God is is going to walk us through as a church you got to recognize that you're going to go through those personally your household is going to go through those so how is it that we navigate these tough waters because where we find ourselves With Elijah is where we find ourselves personally and in our households or with our spouses or or with our families far too often, and it's okay. Because just as Elijah is coming out of these uh, amazing things where God is just showing up and revealing, look at where Elijah finds himself next. If we go ahead and put up the slide up there for 1 Kings chapter 19. And if, if you'd like, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. You want to bring out uh, your phones there, you want to flip in your Bibles uh, with me, the first Kings chapter 19. I'll give you just a moment to get there. But we're going to go ahead and take a look at where does Elijah find himself next? He goes from up to down, and we see him sitting under a broom tree. And it says this in in verse 1 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, it says this, it says, Ahab, uh, the king of Israel, then told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. Which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Do you see how quickly the pendulum can swing? And we've all felt it in our own life. We've all been there in the life. We've seen it in our households. Where on one moment, you can, I mean, God just showed up. And in the next moment, you go from such a high to all of a sudden, you're literally in the basement. You find yourself in the gutter. And you don't even, to a degree, know how you got there. And as Elijah is seeing God's miracles firsthand, we literally see Elijah in a place where he says i don't even want to be on this earth anymore it's not worth it the pain the heartache jezebel wants my head god i'm done with this it's too difficult it's too hard i'm exhausted i'm tired and he throws up his hand and he says i'm done how do we operate in those moments well we have to recognize what's taking place we have to recognize what's going on and first peter shines a little bit of light on that. Pastor Brian, take us through and, and help us navigate mm-hmm. what, uh, what we see in First Peter.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> so can you picture Elijah under that broom tree? I, I mean, he's, he's in a wilderness. It's, it's, it's hot, right? It's, it's a desert experience. It's well over probably 100 degrees. Broom trees are more of a shrub, 3 to 12 feet in size, just enough for one person, typically. And often God will do that, right? He'll, he'll help us to see in our moment of darkness, in our moment of pain, that, that he's there and available and he's just enough to get to the other side. And he's more than enough for the ultimate victory. In 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 8 and 9, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. John 10.10 gives Satan's job description, to steal, kill, and destroy. What we see here is similar to what was happening in 1 Kings. You see, there was a physical person, Jezebel, that said, I'm after you, I'm going to take you out. And there's also a spirit if you will, of an antichrist that is operating in our world today. And that spirit would love nothing more than to take you and I out to steal, kill, destroy. And it's actually a spirit that would love to take control of our life. It's full of pride. It wants to box you and I. It wants to box our church and place limits on us. And in 1 Peter, it says, like a roaring lion, May we not miss that it's not a roaring lion, that it's like one. And this is often what the enemy does. He comes and masquerades as light. He lies. He tries to get in our heads and our hearts and discourage and defeat us. So what was happening to Elijah and sometimes happens to us, and here's what we need to be reminded of. There is a lion of the tribe of Judah. Our Lord is. He is actually called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is not like a lion. He is not false in his roar. He's the real deal. And when he roars and shows up, you better watch out. You better watch out. And so part of it is recognizing the roar and then being able to, as a believer, soar above it. And to really hear God's voice and connect with him. And notice here what verse 9 says. Resist him. Say resist. Resist Resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering. Oh boy. In a world that has taught us all we're special and unique and there's no one like us. Here's your gold star. Here's your ribbon. Here's your participation trophy. Sorry. (laughs) This says... That yes, you may be uniquely designed as a masterpiece by God, but you're not any different than anyone else. In the sense that there will be a roller coaster, there will be an enemy, there will be things that we go through here on earth. The same kinds of suffering, it says, are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And here's really where it changes and begins to really move is when we begin to realize that we're not alone. And that there's people available to us. Last Sunday, as I shared, it was, it was a stretch in the afternoon where I was really struggling. And, and my actual blood brother, my brother Jason, uh, he goes by Jay. I know him as Jason. He uh, called me about 7 o'clock and invited me out of that isolation. Eric, over the last couple weeks, has invited me out of isolation. There's a brotherhood where I'm weak God is strong, and I'm stronger and better together. You hear, have you heard me say this before? We have to come out of hiding. We have to come out from under the broom tree to meet with God and to share with our brothers and sisters if we really want to see the victory. Can I get an amen, church?
1: Yeah, amen, amen. And, and, this, is, and this is what we have to realize. This is what we have to begin to, to normalize um, within the life of the church within our relationships, within our households, is that any time that you step out for God in your life personally, in the life of your household, in your marriages, in pathway, there is going to be opposition. It's, it's not like maybe there might be opposition. No, there will be opposition. And, and so it, it's important that, that we recognize those elements. It's important that, that, that we recognize them for, for what they are so that we can move past them and not allow them to keep us in the gutter too long. And so let's, let's look at Elijah here. Let's pick back up. In, in 1 Kings, uh, we go ahead and, and, and we see here that you know, Elijah, he, he's sitting here under, under this broom tree, and God literally comes because God... God is the God of restoration. And God wants to restore. He wants us to, to he, he wants to take us from, from these places and from, from these moments. Pastor Brian, I I, I know, well, you're a lead pastor, so I know you're probably perfect and, and your household is, is perfect, right? I mean, all all all, all pastors are. I'm, I'm sure you're probably having a hard time identifying with, with this, this scripture because I mean what I mean what 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 is opposition? Do you ever face opposition? My goodness,
0: <laughs> I'm
1: so glad y'all
0: can laugh. <laughs> Feels like an interview, and uh, in a good way. Um, no, we honestly, you know, we we experience spiritual warfare. We experience opposition like anybody. And uh, you know, a couple weeks back, uh, there was there was a weekend where. Um, you know, and I have permission from my wife to share this, where, you know, we both had experienced over a, uh, the week leading in some real victories in life and ministry. Um, you know, our women's ministry here is just taking ground. Come on, ladies. It's amazing what God is doing. And, uh, you know, the, the church is bearing fruit. By the way, we had nine salvations that I'm aware of in the last week, just in the last week. Um but, but no, I, I found myself that weekend uh, physically tired, emotionally drained, spiritually ho- holding on by a little bit of a thread, isolated, and in a place where, honestly, between you know Cindy and I, we got to a, a very dark, difficult place and moment that weekend. I can share it because we're, we're on the other side of it, but during it, we had to find God and we had to find others we could trust to help us. It was, it was a very hard place to be. Very dark, very difficult. And, and it's in those moments that I'm tempted to get into my flesh. Anybody else? And this is what we need to be reminded of. Is there will be a temptation to fight in our flesh or to self-medicate in our flesh. to to do things to cope with what we're going through rather than allow God to to work and refine and restore us in that space. And so, yeah, it was not easy. And no, we're not perfect. And hopefully you see Jesus working in us because that's all we care about. We don't want you to see us. We want you to see Jesus who is perfect and available and able to help you no matter
1: what you're going through. Amen to that. And those things are difficult to happen when they're kept in the darkness. It's when they're brought into the light, it's when we get the courage, when we get the strength, the boldness to shine a light on it, that all of a sudden God's really able to do something in those moments. And so with Elijah, we see Elijah getting really honest with God to the place of, of he's saying, Hey, listen, I'm tired, I'm broken, I'm sitting here, I'm done. And then what does God do? He restores him. And and I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see this passage of Scripture, the way that God shows up and he restores Elijah physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Let's pick up in verse 5. It says this, and it says, He, meaning Elijah, lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Stop right there for a moment. Notice, notice the two aspects there of what God's doing physically and emotionally. God knows that sometimes what we need most in the chaos and the distress is sometimes just a good old warm, hot meal and a nap.
0: <laughs> Amen. Sometimes Amen.
1: he knows that we just need to go to bed. You hear it said all the time, you know, in, in, in marriage counseling, and they say, don't ever, ever go, go, go to bed angry. Whoever said that, I don't know. I, horrible. Sometimes you, you do just need to shut up and go to bed. You know, there's nothing good that's going to happen at 2 a.m. Both of you are illogical. So yes, you know, you do need a good meal. You do need to go to bed and press reset and get up in the morning and start over. But you notice how God deals with Elijah in that moment? Elijah was tired. And what does he do? He, he, he restores him physically. He sends a messenger. He, he, he sends an angel, a helper, feeds him. Because he knows what's coming up. And then emotionally, look where God meets with Elijah emotionally. He asks him a question. We know God has the answer at all. God wasn't wasn't sitting there looking for, for an answer of like, hey, I really need your help on this, Elijah. Like, what are you doing here? No, what is he doing? He's appealing to Elijah's emotional side. It shows empathy. It shows that he cares. When we as human beings ask others, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you right now? Where are you at right now? It puts us in in a place, it puts us in a posture of, hey, I'm here for you, I'm open, I'm caring, I'm in this with you. And it helps draw us out of that isolation. Do you see how God's doing that, modeling that for us here with Elijah? And then then where where does he take him from there? Notice now how he goes ahead and he restores him uh, spiritually here. And uh, Pastor Brian, take, take us from verse 11 on And show us how spiritually God begins to revive Elijah
0: Yeah, verse 11 And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord And behold, the Lord passed by And a great and strong wind tore the mountains And broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord But the Lord was not in the wind And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake And after the earthquake, a fire By the way, is this where earth, wind, and fire got their name? <laughs> Somebody can tell me after service. because uh, So, after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And may we see what I believe God wants us to see here. You see, he had victories over Baal and the prophets. He saw rain come. As he's down and discouraged, tell him I said hi. Um, God shows here His power over earth and wind and fire. He shows his power over it all, but what does he do? The real miracle is the whisper and the intimacy. That we have a God that wants us to know his whisper. It's incredible. It's available to each of us. says, verse 13, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Behold, there came a voice to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am it left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is where God spins them around, and a good roller coaster does that, right? It's up, down, and it spins you around. This is what God is doing here with Elijah, is spinning them around to say, get your eyes off yourself, get your eyes back on me, and realize, and as it goes on, I'm gonna just catch you up because of time. He mentions a couple of people. One is a group that there's 7,000 people, a remnant in Israel. You thought you were alone, but there's a remnant rising and I'm going to connect you to him. And he also mentions this Elisha, who will be his brother, who he'll walk with and hand the baton to. Isn't it amazing how part of God spinning us around is connecting us to him, but also to one another for the next leg of the journey? Got to embrace the process, church.
1: Yeah. When when you look at the restoring life, when you look at the restoring life and and you look at the way that God restored Elijah physically, emotionally, spiritually, he brings him out of this place of isolation. Our opposition, the enemy, wants nothing more than for you to be isolated. He wants for you to be isolated in your heart because he knows if he can get you isolated in your heart, he can get you isolated in your marriage. He can get you isolated in your household. And what do we know when we get isolated, when we begin to feel isolated? What, what, what do we know then happens? We feel very, very ineffective. And we feel like we have nothing to offer. When Pastor Brian was laying out vision last week, there's no doubt that there were some of you in this room that were like, boom, awesome, all in. All in. And he obviously gave a very macro view. And then there were others that were like, that sounds great. And it's kind of like, that sounds great, let me keep it out here. Because there are those in this room right now that are feeling isolated. You're feeling ineffective. You feel that you have nothing to give. You have nothing to jump on the bandwagon with. And that's right where the enemy wants you. Sometimes in life, don't get me wrong, we make some really boneheaded decisions and we can cause some of our own heartache and distress and chaos, right? But sometimes in life, gang, you're right where you're supposed to be in God's will, doing exactly what he wants you to be doing, and you're still going to bump in to the chaos, the distress, and the heartache. Do you realize that? And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's called life. Elijah is right where he's supposed to be and so we've got to learn how to navigate these difficult moments Pastor Brian shared with where he was at two Saturdays ago Three days from then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we had a board meeting And so after the board meeting everybody kind of left and I was just kind of hanging around I just felt God kind of tugging on me to stay I wasn't in a great place On that same Saturday, fireworks, boom, erupted in our household. Things were not rosy between myself and my wife. I did not do a great job of guarding her heart. And guess what the enemy used? He used a little bit of a foothold. I gave him a little bit of a foothold, and what do you think he did? He ran with it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the temperature in the household was sub-zero. <laughs> I kind of sat down with Pastor Brian after the board meeting. I'm just kind of sitting there, and at this point in time, I had no idea what went on in his house on Saturday. And he just kind of looked at me, and he said, When, when, when did that happen? I said, Saturday. And he just kind of smirked. And he said, You know what? Yeah, we're supposed to be talking right now. And so, as we just put our hearts out there on the table, do you see how God brought us both out of that isolation? Much like Elijah, Elijah was having that pity party. I'm the only one. God saying, "Actually, I got about seven thousand more. I I, I got quite a few more over here. You're not the only one." In God's special way, He did that between Brian and I. He said, "Guys, yeah, this is life. You know, go go find ten other dudes, and you know, they'll probably be able to identify with you as well." you know get out of this dark place but that's what god wants wants to do in these moments he wants to he wants to restore physically emotionally spiritually and why does he want to do this because he knows what he has next for us go go ahead and put up the slide there it talks about certain aspects of who we are in just a moment we're we're, we're going to want we're going to watch a video here as uh, as we begin to close But but this is what's so important for us to take with us. and It says this. It says certain aspects of who we are can't come along for the journey. There is refining in the restoring. In these moments of life, when we bump into these hardships, one of the greatest questions that we can ask God is this. God, what is it inside of me that you're wanting to do, that you're wanting to grow, that you're wanting to change. Because God is in the growth business, and he's continuing to call us forward. He's continuing to call us on. And so in these moments of difficulties, oftentimes there is a shaping that's taking place. There's shaping that he's saying, hey, there's some aspects of you that I want to do some carving off of because of where I want to take you, because of where I want to take your marriage, because of where I want to take your household because of where I want to take your career. And some of those aspects can't go along for the journey. And so we have to be open in a humble posture in those moments, that as God's doing the restoring, we also have to recognize that he's also doing a refining in those moments as well. And so as we look at vision here for Pathway, as we look at moving forward we will have those moments we're going to have those moments personally collectively but how we navigate them really sets the course for what happens next take a look at this video as we take a look at how God Ephesians two ten says next. that
2: we're God's workmanship his masterpiece I don't know about you but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror I don't really see a A masterpiece you know I mean maybe a Picasso it's like (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece I want to be everything he created me to be and so I go to him in prayer and I say dear heavenly father do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son make me your masterpiece Jesus name I pray
3: amen hi whoa who are you I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
2: Yeah, you're not God.
3: Why do you say that?
2: God wouldn't say yucky.
3: I do. It's a Greek word. Oh.
2: Okay, okay. Um,
3: If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh.
2: Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year?
3: I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away.
2: You answered my question with a question.
3: I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again! <laughs> Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yep. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay.
2: Yep. Hang
3: on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay.
2: Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave?
3: compare yourself to others instead of me, you tell little white lies because you want to people please, you're lazy but you try to fool everybody by looking really really busy, you have a problem with lust. Well, time out. <laughs> I
2: don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No I can do it anytime I want.
3: It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. (coughs) That hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. (coughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me, I don't take time to make junk.
2: Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you wanna use me? And I feel so useless. Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
0: You'll stand with us. God is inviting us to respond because he wants to restore. He wants us to embrace the process. Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. The gift of God is available to us today. It says, Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's time for us to
1: respond and to take our next steps. To be a restoring people, we need to be a restored people. And I don't know where God's moving in your heart today, but the challenge before us is to bring it into the light. Start having a conversation. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with a friend, a brother, a sister. But as we bring it into the light, God moves in that place when we get honest before him. And so I challenge you this week to have a conversation. To connect. To grow. And see where God wants to show up in that place. As I mentioned earlier, God is in the growing business. He wants to move you from where you're at. He wants to continue to shape and mold you. And so in this moment, the altars are always open. If you want to have a conversation up here, you want to do business up here, come. Come. If you want to take care of business right there in your seat that's fine don't let this next week go by though if god is prompting you and he's tapping you on the shoulder make a phone call reach out because just like he did between pastor brian and myself he wants to unite he wants to bring commonality so that you understand you're not alone that you're not isolated and in those moments he restores Father, right now, in this moment,
0: may your presence fall on this place and find a people open to you and to receive all that you have. We praise you and worship you for your love and the gift that you offer us. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Let's worship him. The altars are open. You are invited in. God is ready to receive and to give.
4: The world of the treasures we found. Jesus Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling.
0: And the great news about that is we're not alone. We have him, we have each other available. Uh, Men, tomorrow our men's group meets at 6.30. Come out of hiding, come out of isolation. Join us and be a part of that. If you're here and you still need prayer, uh, there may be a deep work God is doing Uh, that is more important than whatever lunch plans you have. Seriously, take a moment and linger. Lunch will be there even if it's cold. We want to pray for you. And we'll be available to do that. If you're a visitor out those doors, come to our welcome center. We have a gift. We'd love to welcome you. Take your time. Let God continue to work. We are gonna be the church he's called us to be, amen? Amen. We're gonna see restoration. We're gonna see raising up and we're going to reach out. God is with us. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for the work that you are doing and that you are with us and that we have each other to share it with. Continue to heal and restore. Meet us wherever we're at today and lead us forward to be your church. I pray this week we would love you and love all people in our pathway and we take whatever next step you're showing us. Bless each person online and here in person and be with them. May we be your church. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Have a great week. If you have kids in Pathway Kids, please go there first. They are ready for you.